Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Now, In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 133, The Priesthood of Every Believer, How Luther Recovered the Biblical Priesthood. Now, last time, we just kind of gave an opening to this idea of the priesthood of every believer. This week, we're going to talk about Christ as the one high priest, which is something we read quite a bit about in Hebrews. Do you just want to give us a little overview of that, and then we will pick up with our conversation? Yes. Uh, last week, we talked about the ascension of Christ, Psalm 110, verse 1. Okay. At the right had the majesty on high and made, he makes intercession for us so the high priest under the new covenant is jesus christ yes he's reigning in heaven promised to return for now he's reigning in heaven okay there's no valid high priest on earth right that's the claim of the book of hebrews let me cite a passage from hebrews and this will be Hebrews 2.17, okay? okay? The Bible clearly identifies Jesus as the high priest. That's my statement. Here's the citation. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people, Hebrews 2.17. Yes. Now, the original audience of Hebrews would have known a lot more probably about the Old Testament priesthood than what most Christians today have. But that would be a stunning statement to them. The high priest had a very, very important role in the sacrificial system to claim to be the high priest or that Christ was the high priest is a huge claim. Yes. And this is evidenced by the way that Hebrews was written before 70 AD because it was still going on. That's right. There was still a temple. There were still sacrifices going on. The, those unbelieving Jews still thought they had to go through the sacrificial system. They still honored the high priest. It, it, this would have been shocking. It was. And this is really what Hebrews is about because some people, because of the tangibility and the celebrations and the bells and the sounds and the smells and the sacrifices. And they had the, the courtyard and the court of the Gentiles and then eventually the holiest place. Wow, that's pretty, that's amazing. So somebody goes in there and if he comes out alive, then we know the blood was put on the propitiatory offering was poured out and God accepted it. But that was not what was valid because Jesus has done this once for all. And if you haven't studied the book of Hebrews, we do have a whole series on that available. It takes a long time to go through it, but it's a very important thing to understand. So apostasy in that context would be, I think I like the one going on better now. Okay. Instead of trusting Jesus, whose blood was shed once for all, and accepted 
as the one sacrifice for sins. I would rather go back, bring my offering, have the high priest go in and have the day of atonement happen that way. And I feel better about that. I think I'll go back to that. That's apostasy. It is. And it still happens today. Just this morning, as I was kind of waking up and scrolling through Facebook and just getting ready for the day, there was an interesting conversation about it was a young woman who had been raised Baptist and married a Catholic. And she said she was saying, well, I think I agree more with Baptist doctrine, but I love how they honor the Eucharist. And I like the liturgy and I love the symbolism and the robes and the priests and the whole she she was really being pulled towards the whole Catholic system. Sadly, even though she was willing to say, well, I don't agree with their doctrine, but I want all the whistles and bells. And that was very much what was going on there. They wanted the system. They wanted the you know, pomp and circumstance, you could say, when what we have is our great high priest who died once for all, who never ordained for the church all of these whistles and bells and sacrifices and robes and we don't need this complicated system. We need the pure word of God taught to us. Anyone who really understands the book of Hebrews and just believes what is said there, yeah. not to all the other passages, would see what was going on in the Roman Catholic Mass as a blasphemous apostasy from the gospel. Exactly. And so do you think God is pleased with trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed once for all and profaning what God did and preferring some fallen, sinful, never ordained system that have, have taken to themselves to paganize Roman Catholicism is paganized Christianity. Exactly. There are some doctrines that we agree with. We agree with the Trinity. Luther affirmed the early Christological creeds were accurate. Yes. But we're not trying to run away from what we know is true, which the hypostatic union, the two natures of Christ, the Trinity, and so forth, that God created the world out of nothing. But they add to it, and eventually you have a false doctrine upon false doctrine, so that what's left is so obscured that if you can even find Christ there, people think, well, Christ won't listen to me, so I'll go to his mother. But the Mary of Rome is not the Mary of the Bible. Right. And she can't hear you. This is not an option. Yeah. Because it's wicked and blasphemous. And I don't do this because I enjoy offending people. This is a gospel issue. And to depart from the gospel because you think a, a saint in heaven who, what's a saint in heaven? Somebody that the Pope said, well, you did three miracles and we're going to have a meeting to decide you're a saint. No, it's someone who believed in Jesus Christ and died like the thief on the cross, as we preached recently. And today you'll be with me in paradise. But omniscience is a function and quality and attribute only of deity. Yes. And so unless 
the Mary of Rome has omniscience. She can't hear millions of people praying simultaneously. And unless she has omnipotence, she can't answer those prayers. And therefore, you're futilely praying to a fallen sinner, but now saved by grace. And it's offensive. It is. It's, as Paul would say, may it never be. It, it should be shockingly uh, horrible. But it doesn't shock people. And someone that I knew in seminary when I first did a series on this said, well, I did go back to Rome and I like it better here. Wow. So don't worry. We'll take care of it. Just show up. Do what we tell you to do. But wouldn't you rather know that your sins are forgiven? Wouldn't you rather understand the gospel that what Jesus Christ did, he did once for all? He didn't lay down his life and shed his blood once for all so that you could say, well, I think the smells and bells over at the temple in Jerusalem, which was still functioning. Right. It isn't now. I believe in literal Bible prophecy. Yes. And Antichrist will give the people what they want at some point, but it'll be blasphemous. And we need to believe the promise of God. Yep. So Christ is the one high priest. And so what's the difference between him as high priest and all the fake ones, including Rome and that whole wicked system? Well, for one thing, only Jesus Christ, is, who's the creator of the universe, who came into our world, was born of a virgin who died for sins once for all. He lived a sinless life. So being fully human, fully God, that's what the hypostatic union means. Okay. He is the only one who ever lived that way, who ever fulfilled those prophecies. And yes. so he's merciful because he understands temptation, but he's powerful because he not only overcame it, he died for the sins of those who cannot overcome sin. Right. So that makes him God's ordained high priest for us and things that pertain to God. Now, why would people not want that, but they'd rather have huge gold gilded arch ceilings and all this smells and bells? Why would it they really goes back to the wilderness and, and the exodus. And well, we don't know about this Moses. He's been up on the mountain for a long time. Give us a God we can see. Right. And it just comes back to, we want to see all these things. Give us a God we can see. They want something tangible. And it's really interesting. I, I don't know how many times over the last 40 years I've preached on that, but the, the, the earth shook. Moses yeah. was Sinai. But Moses, we can't see him anymore. Right. So we'll build a golden calf. So, dear listeners, do you want a high priest you can see? Or do you want to believe that the one high priest, once for all, shed his blood, and that he reigns in heaven, and he's coming again, and he hears us? So you don't believe that because you can't see him. But if somebody sees an apparition of Mary, oh, maybe there's hope. 
right? All that does is take our eyes off of what we have in Christ. It does. And it's, I, I don't really understand why people don't see the absurdity of the whole thing. But then they, in a, on, on another note, look at the false apostles and prophets of the new apostolic reformation. Right. People want to see signs and miracles and a mighty man of God. Yes. And a number of people who are a part of that group, the, the one for this Bill Johnson that we've written about when heaven obeys earth. Yes. And then another in Kansas City, and there's other versions, literally go to Israel, and they believe that they're so powerful that they're going to defeat Antichrist when he shows up. Wow. So we heard from, um, God bless the dear saints that are in Israel and standing for the gospel. There isn't a, a claim crazy enough that they won't make it, these false prophets. Yes. So you have Rome claiming that they have access to God that you don't have. You have the New Apostolic Reformation claiming we're the apostles and prophets to speak for God. Here's the alternative. Believe what God said in his word. Yes. God has spoken. Amen. Now you say in your article, not only does he intercede for us continually and perfectly, he gives each believer personal access to his throne. And then the Bible verse, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16. We go directly to Christ. Right. Um, over the years, and I've preached on it a few times, and you look up the tenses in the context, a good way to translate, he gives us help just in time when we need it. Yes. He'll take care of us. And let me just read, as we've been talking about Hebrews here. Okay. The first three verses here to set the stage for how this brilliant book of the Bible lays this out. Okay. So I'm going to read Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Here's how it starts. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, and in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. That's just through verse two. Now, there's that point I like to make in the gospel when I preach it. Only Jesus Christ create, is the creator. Yes. Okay. So all these other priests that claim that they speak for God are fallen sinners. They, they didn't create the world. Did you create the world out of nothing? Reminds me of Job. Where were you when I opened the expanse of the sky? Where were you? <laughs> on and on. Yeah. So this is amazing. Then verse three says this. He, that is Christ, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Wow. Perhaps it's difficult to appreciate the profundity of this 
section of scripture, but it's amazing. It's powerful. Yeah. And if we don't know that, well, maybe when they have the incense and the process that was never ordained by God and the priest does what he does in the Catholic Church or Eastern Orthodoxy is even more um, mystical than Roman Catholicism. Yes. It's very mystical. Why would you believe that? Why? Because by faith, we know what God said, and it doesn't have to be seen now to believe it. All right. You know, and you say in the article, there is one high priest, Christ, and we are all priests to God by his decree and his promises. We don't need to add anything to that. No. So why would somebody? Well, there's a lot of bad motives in the whole world. In fact, they're summed up the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. Yeah. There's John. And also in Genesis, and also in Jesus's wilderness temptations. And so we either believe what God said and spend our life on earth praying for one another, pointing each other to Christ and the gospel, and helping understand what God said. That's the priesthood of every believer. We'll get to that. It's one of the key things. Right. And we talked about that in a, in a previous series where in first Corinthians 14, we edify one another through the preaching of the word, not just from the pulpit, but as we gather around scripture and find out what it says, what it means and how it applies to our life. Let's ask ourselves this question right now. Uh, I underlined something that wrote back in this article, we can go directly to Christ and speak our needs to him. And not only does he hear us, he promises grace, mercy, and timely help. And so why not? Yeah. We think somebody else has a better angle. I think the thing that confused me was that people said, well, if you don't hear an answer back in your mind where God tells you something. Yeah then you don't really have faith or you didn't pray very well. In other words, we don't want to believe that God hears us. We want to have him tell us something. And then we go do what he said. Now we're really hearing from God. Right. And that's why this particular topic is something we felt that we need to address before we even started our series on prayer. We have to have this right. Right. And that sounded very alluring to me. That's why I, spent five years working out that and realizing it doesn't mean that it, it harms us. Yes. And if I can't believe the promises of God given by Christ and his apostles that are in Aaron's scripture, why would I believe that some mystical impression in my mind is the marching orders or the promise that I should believe? So understanding then that Jesus is our great high priest. We need to look at how does the church fit into this? How is the church defined? And you, in your article, the next heading is the church is born of the word. Okay, the word of God defines the church, not the traditions of men. Exactly. So 
Scripture alone, one of the solas, yes, needs to have also the understanding of the priesthood of every believer. Okay. I call it a concomitant doctrine, which means they have to, by necessity or by logic, they go together. Right. So you could say scripture alone. However, I know more than you do. I have better creeds than you do. I have longer history than you do. So scripture alone, but either the person speaking or the group they represent already figured these things out. So the priesthood of every believer, we can't accept that part. Right. And that's that's the end result of creedalism. It's already been decided. So right. you can sign on the line saying you agree to this or I guess you're not welcome. Well, the, the suggestion is that you're not adequate to understand scripture. I we published what about quite a while ago we published that article. Yes. I'm waiting for someone to say what's wrong with it. Right. We really just got no response at all. Uh, I'm not saying that proves us right, but if the priesthood of every believer is true, then whatever claims that anyone makes, including critical issues commentary, what we're putting out there, should be scrutinized. And is this biblical or not? Yes. And implications and applications of scripture are what need to be judged. Right. Okay. And I don't understand why we can't discuss and proclaim and evaluate the idea of the priesthood of every believer. Yes. And that's what Luther was trying to accomplish to help people see that they can judge doctrine and they must. Now there's actually, do you want to share this quote from Luther? Because I think it's really important in helping us understand how he was defining this. Yeah, this was a, a block quote that I put in the article, which means it's from Luther's works. Yes. Read that. This fact, Luther said, however, constrains us and makes us sure, namely, that a real Christian knows that the church never ordains or institutes anything apart from the word of God. Any church that does is no church except in name only. Wow. As Christ says, and then he cites John 10, it says this, my sheep hear my voice. They do not hear the voice of strangers. They flee before them, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Then he's, that's a quote from John 10. Then Luther continues, it is not God's word just because the church speaks it. Rather, the church comes into being because God's word is spoken. Yes. Then the key point, the church does not constitute the word, but is constituted by the word. That's, wow, that is a powerful quote. That's the key idea. Yes. And when I studied church history in seminary, and uh, I was so blessed to have Dr. William Travis as a teacher, and he allowed me to go beyond some of the requirements so that I could do extensive research and write these things. 
yeah. knowing that a uh, use form, which is to publish them. And this is so essential. Nothing is more important than this. So what happened in church history, Rome, and I use that as a metonymy or a synodoki, a part that designates the whole. Okay. The whole system, including claiming to have the right to rule over nations and forcing them to be Roman Catholic, whether they wanted to or not. All of that system, the sacrificial system, the priesthood, the prelates, the bishops, the traditions, all of that. That's what Rome means when I'm saying that. Okay. Uh, well, so now what are we going to do? How are we, what's the church? If church history doesn't define the church, then what's the church? So the simplest definition that came out of the Reformation was this. Wherever the word of God is purely taught and the sacraments administered according to the Lord's institution, it's not to be doubted that there a church exists. That was the definition. Wow. Yes. Now, I don't like the term sacraments because that implies sort of the high church liturgy. It does. And so we use the term ordinances. And they are valid because Christ ordained them and gave them to the church. And that we do things in remembrance of him. We baptize because he ordained that. And this, this would be, to me, an ordinance. But if the word of God is purely taught and we obey Christ and believe him about what he said and trust his promises, that's the church. It's not this massive institution. Right. Okay. That's a very simple definition. Listeners, let's just go back to that citation of Luther here. The church does not constitute the word, but is constituted by the word. Now, here is the scripture we'll leave you with to think about that. Okay. Okay. And that is a citation of 1 Peter 2.23. And Peter says this, for you have been born again, not of seed that is, which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. My statement is the aggregate of those born of God constitute the church. Amen. And it, so the church is born of the word of God and God adds people and acts. God added people to the church through conversion. Yes. It's pretty simple, but it's sure easy to lose it if we start looking for something else. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website CICMinistry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. I'm Bob Dewey. We'll see you next week.